hey, this is Russell, and I work at the video store. Interesting people pop in each week, and together we can help you figure out what you could be watching on streaming platforms and out in cinemas. We go through guests' favorite films and talk about the films that they've loved across their life. When the store is quiet, I get to watch movies and series and talk about them with my good friends that work here. All right, welcome to the video store. Let's open up the shop. All right, how's it? Good morning. How are you, my G-Force? All right, and you, dude? G-Force 5? Are you strong? <laughs> yeah, I'm doing okay. Are you healthy? Uh, I don't know about that. <laughs> I'm feeling healthy. Oh, nice. I'll tell you about it. I play pedal now. Oh, nice. <laughs> uh, welcome to the video store. Welcome, everyone. Today on the show, we've got Nandi Tlepo, mm. who's going to pop in to rent something. Uh, she is an absolute powerhouse. If you know her and know what she does, um, if you're in her orbit, you have great respect and love for her. She uh, has got an agency, which she'll tell you all about, um, but they they do so much more than just general agency stuff. They put on events, cool. uh, Mama Kashaka, and uh, you, you could very well know or have been at one of her incredible events. Mm. And what I'm loving here more than ever now is our formula. Yes. And what I mean by our formula is at the video store, we've now got these these films that you've loved along the way. Mm. And we've got these categories of films and we are going through the life of someone and they could be anyone doing anything. We just want to meet and talk to all our interesting customers here at the video store. Yeah. And we're getting the most incredible sense of them. Mm. And I think that's what's so special is that it's really showing you how the films they've loved or the films that came along their way have made them who they are. Yes. And I don't want to give too much away, but there, there is especially one in particular yeah. which shines in this chat. Cool. And uh, it really is such a great example of what I'm talking about. Yeah. Um, so uh, for all of those who are followers of, of Nandi, welcome. Um, we are the video store. We are... Uh, just opened up our shop here. It's a nice early morning. Yeah. Uh, my name is Russell, as I said, and I'm here with Graham. Hello. And uh, we're just going to get things started here. And then in a moment, um, Nandi's going to pop in and cool. we're going to have ourselves a chat. But then please stick around for after that where the store gets a little more quieter again. And uh, when we cash up uh, at the end of the day, uh, myself and Graham are going to talk a little more about the shows we're watching, yeah. movies we've watched the stuff coming out, and at the end of the day, we're here to help you figure out what you can watch. Mm -hmm. uh, but I think on that note, we should probably get straight into it. I agree. Let's not waste any time. All right. Uh, thank you for joining us here at the video store. This is Nandi popping in to rent something. How's it? Hi. How are you? I'm really good, thank you. How are you? I'm <laughs> cool. You... Um, I, I I always like to start by by sort of saying what's going on, where are you at in your life, <laughs> and I just thought we'd we'd maybe just chat very quick. You, you you had an exciting morning, very very exciting. We were um, um, submitting for a tender, 
and you know everything that could possibly be delayed was getting delayed so it felt like a episode of amazing race this person must meet this person over here to collect this piece of document the other one needs to it was just like a really <laughs> crazy relay but looks like we've submitted in time so we'll see okay can can you speak about what you've submitted or do you want to maybe keep that a secret i'm gonna keep that a secret okay right. okay cool <laughs> no 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 all good um how do you describe yourself what do you how do you introduce yourself Oh, quite simply, I'm a mother and I'm an entrepreneur. Sure. Um, when I'm feeling, you know, quite... Um, Juji. Juji. Uh, maybe I'll go, I'm a mother and I'm a creative entrepreneur. Nice. I also sometimes... <laughs> Just to get specific. <laughs> I sometimes use creative entrepreneur as well. Yes. I'm not entirely sure what that means. <laughs> At the end of the day, you're an entrepreneur. Can I tell you, it just, it helps to... Um, it helps to explain the tattoos. It helps to explain <laughs> sure. the sometimes eccentric or unexpected dress code. Because yeah. sometimes when you say entrepreneur, someone looks at you and I'm like, would I really trust her with millions and millions of rands? Yeah. But then when I say creative entrepreneur, they go, yeah, maybe I would. Because there's a handful <laughs> of people, I think, that are that more mainstream, more cookie, I don't know, I don't, I don't want to use the, right, the wrong word, but when when... When they deal with people who are more artistic, and I use that word mm -hmm. specifically, and expression it, they go, oh, they're very creative. And, <laughs> and creative is like almost this word for like, I don't understand you or your brain. Have you Would encountered that? So, so that's why maybe yes, when, when you use the word, yeah. Cool. My mom, Me for too. a very, very, very long time, it was just... Um, if I did something that didn't make sense to them, she would just explain it to the rest of the family. Oh, yeah, but Nandi's a creative. And then everybody would be like, oh, oh okay. I, I, <laughs> I, I got away with that as well. Because, yeah, my, my parents, my mom was a maths teacher and, and taught maths at university. My dad was in business and sold, like, steel tubing. My sister was a, a you know a financial person so i think i get away with a lot because i'm the sort of arty yeah <laughs> kid yeah, that was always yeah. in bands does, and it does sometimes give you that uh permission slip like a pass yeah mm. but you uh, specifically focus on your main company yes which is a marketing agency How yes do I put it? it's a it's a it's a marketing agency um we're primarily experience-led or what people would call an experiential agency. So we conceptualize um, and produce experiences um, for brands. And, you know, we have some that we own ourselves, our own platforms. But that's what we do. I think I like to lead with marketing agency and then just say what our primary is simply because we end up doing a lot of the ancillary services. So by what virtue... What does that mean? You know, supporting <laughs> complementary services. So, okay. which is what most marketing agencies would do. Do anyway, but maybe they focus more on those ancillary um, services rather than that's the like, experiences. That's like print and yeah, design so and exactly video copywriting, and kind of, yeah. photography, social media uh, management, uh, PR, guest list management. So all the things that um, end up being support to. Sure. to experiences we we tend to do with the experiences and sometimes we just get briefed to do those services and maybe it's someone else's experience yeah. but um our primary thing is um experiences i really love bringing people together yeah and i think yeah what you mean by experiences is very mostly like events yes um where there are these 
parties effectively. But it's so much more. I mean, I know yeah. it's so much more. Yeah. But, so, but I'm just trying to sort of just try and root it in something. Like you were known for your series of events. Yes. And did those come first and then the brands attached? Or the, were the brands always so part of it? So my events came first. So I used to um, run and host an event called The Weekend Social. Um, I yes. think we hosted for about five to six years. And you just did that out of the own fun, coolness, yes, in let's parallel make some money. To working and broadcasting. It was less about money than rather a um, a group of women coming together and just like out of our own desperate need to create cool places for us to hang out. <laughs> yeah, but that's, how, but that's how everything happens. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You it know, it the punk... comes from a personal need and then you you find that that personal need is shared by a greater community, you know. If you, if you want it and if one or two other people want it. it and, yeah. and what was that it? What so was the weekend social? The, the, the it, so the weekend social was a brunch come um, day party. So a big thing for us was we loved the the then burgeoning um, market scene, but um, just wanted it a whole lot more curated. We loved the food. Oh, markets um, being like the artisanal markets that then... Food markets specifically. Yeah, yeah. I think, if, if I'm not mistaken, at the time, Neighbor Goods Market had just launched in Cape Town. Yes. So you kind of like liked that vibe, like going to a place where you had really great things to eat. But we were also very social creatures who mm. also happened to be in our 30s. So mm. we, it was also quite important for us to have, we like we we would often joke about creating an experience that we that wouldn't compromise the next day. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Johannesburg at the time was really like heavily renowned for the club scene, the art, the late night, night, late at night after Dwellums. hours, exactly. Lots of, <laughs> of beers, yeah. And really, our whole thing was that you know our event uh-uh. started at eleven a.m. I want yeah. sunshine. I want warmth. I want started eleven a.m. I think um, and ended at seven p.m. for the first like year or two. And even at its heyday, it ended at like nine p.m. So we were the place you went to before. The mm. <laughs> yeah, no, and I've noticed that as well, definitely in my life, because I, I, I haven't partaked in the second act much. Yeah, yeah. Um, we've got a joke in the band that I'm in, Short Straw. Um, often we we call this thing called the first train or the second train, mm-hmm. which is once we've packed up and once the sh- once our gig responsibility is done on the night, um, everyone in the band or in the touring party has to call whether they first train or second train. Oh my god! And what that means is the first train is you'd most likely go with the van back to the accommodation safely and and you're not having a big night. Where the if your second, second train, train means like, see you when I see you. Oh, really? <laughs> I would yeah, assume yeah, yeah. that like, it's, it's um, you know when people go, always go, the second location is never worth it. Oh. Yeah, so, no, and no, then no. there's so a this third is, location. <clears throat> and a fourth. So if you're on the second train, you're signing up for the second, third and fourth location. Could, you, it could be anything. Oh, You've God. got to find your That's own terrifying. way home. So just imagine us like, middle of the night or quite late in like i don't know pe or like jeffrey's bay or like where Graham's are you town going or, in you know, PE? sure sure but there's a <laughs> bunch of people and maybe you single and you know you feeling lucky or something but but yeah the 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 second train could often involve other things but i i'm totally with you i've personally also always adopted I've always been the captain of the first train. <laughs> Usually because the van for the band is rented in my name and I want to get us <laughs> all sure home safe. Make sure that it gets But so also I've also never had that sort of desire to, to have it go too late. So that's cool. And and that was a big success. Yes. And that was also, also very testament to the time. And I know that time 
Because I think you and I are similar aged. Yeah. I was born 85. 82. Okay. And um, that, that era was very interesting because it was the start of that artisanal appetite. 1,000%. Do you and remember holding that craft beer for the first time? I do. I, I remember hearing the word or the, you know, craft for the first time was, around then. It was artisanal yeah. around then. You know, these, these then became like common used words in like the creative language only around that time. I mean, there was still like the 206 era yeah. beforehand, but that was a different, it had different like... We're talking like around energy. sort of 2010, right? Yes. Because that was also oh when the God. bioscope started. And that was when we were holding these and union craft beers that looked so different from yeah. all the regular. I remember having a wine sort of in rugby a craft beers beer packaging had. from you. Yes, Bob's your uncle. Yes. <laughs> yeah, we still serve With Bob's the, your uncle. That was it like a blue and white um, like yeah. packaging, see? Yeah, so it was this wine that came in like a, a beer bottle with the, with the cap and we thought that was so cool it was cool <laughs> no, they, we still stuck that beer they i mean that wine they've changed to a regular bottle now oh, which is boring but yeah um yeah it was it was it was the world saying i want to seek out something more authentic yes more, more considered more, more nuanced boutique. a little gentler <laughs> Yeah, and not just this mass product, which I think was interesting. Okay, yeah. so you read it in that way and you guys created that daytime event. What were the yes. what were the other things that you did? So at that time, um I was working at agency. So this was the weekend social was a passion hobby of mine. And then basically and it was successful for me in two ways. Never mind the reception. Well, not to say never mind the reception. That was really important, but it was also an awakening in me. I think it um it triggered a deeper desire to also have a more authentic life because yeah. after the weekend social and like, I was like, no, actually this is what I want to do. Yeah. This is, this is, this is what I want to do. We'll figure out how to make money because it had started to become commercial by the time we had um, shut it down. So I knew it had commercial opportunity. I knew the space had commercial opportunity. So, so you chose to shut it down at some point. Yes, we did. It was just, um, I think there were, at the time, it was founded by six women. By the time we uh, shut it down, there was five of us. And I suppose we, one of the reasons was that we all knew and agreed that it needed to evolve, but we couldn't agree on okay. what it would evolve to. We all okay, had different a, a ideas. Too many chefs around Exactly. The okay. We all had very different ideas of what it should become. Okay. And, and, so and, rather, let's end it here. Yes. Okay. And we, we ended it on a really high note, which I think is, um, is, a, is something that we're all proud of. We didn't, okay. you know, like, we, it, it, we really did leave it on a high on okay. a really high note. So at that point, you're probably gathering, obviously, experience, but a bit of a database? Yeah. Of sorts? Like yes. Name. And Instagram, Galuk, was also new yeah, around yeah. then. So now you have this following, promoting your own events is, was just easier. Yeah. So when you say database... That's you what can, I mean. I yeah, mean you the, can go equal followers, like yeah. equal audience. Like our, my social media presence um, was what people considered to be quite healthy at the time. Yeah. I'm not sure what healthy is now. <laughs> no, no. I, look at, I look at some people now that I follow and I'm like, I think the word is incessant. You know, like <laughs> it's just, it's just no fucks given. Just like we're going to post twice a day or three times a day. It's, it's, no. it's a lot. When you feel like it, um, yeah. I mean, consistency uh, like assists with your algorithm, I guess, but 
Yeah. I think at some point we can't be slaves to, you know, to insights. But, but yeah, okay. But uh, let's let's do something before we get um, too into the weeds of, of yourself uh, right now. Because we've got this way of chatting to a guest at the video store where we mm-hmm. where we, we, we we travel through your life. We don't go to, we don't go too in depth, but the basic idea is to see which films along the course of your <laughs> life um, are the films that you've loved. Because I think okay. it says a lot about you, and I think it says it paint it helps create a, a picture of, of you. Okay, so the so the first film I'd love to find out is the. Is the sort of the first one the we call it the puppy love film, which is like kind of nursery school, primary school. That kind of first, you know, imagine that first partner you had where you excited to hold their hand. <laughs> it's quite innocent, <laughs> but it's a, a deep love. Was, was there a film like that for you that you um, can remember? So like, like a romantic, a romantic film. No, 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 not romantic. Oh, I'm not just saying romantic. that. I'm just saying that that's the relationship you had with the film. Like you really loved it. It was innocent, but you loved it. Oh, my well, God. Where did you grow up? So I grew up in the Eastern Cape, uh, okay. Port Elizabeth. Um, now okay, that's why, you, that's why you said there's nowhere to go in PE. Where are you going to go? Um, but I spent a lot of time in the Transkei and Mtata as well before moving to Joburg. And I would say, I mean, I think romantic... Because my, 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 my favorite genre was definitely like ro- r- romantic mm. films because those are the only ones that seem to pop up when you ask me that question. Like, okay. And I'm just like, I'm pretty certain I liked other types, but in that time, by my puppy love, I remember because I could watch these movies over and over again. I watched the other one just last week again, which yeah. is Working Girl. Yeah, no, so you spoke about <laughs> that. But, where did, but when in your life did that... First so pop up because it's a bit more of an older film. Yeah, it is an older film. It would have been in my, in the nineties, in the early nineties. But I mean, older for you, yeah. When you were older. When I was older. Yeah, I'm saying, how old were you when you oh first started God. watching Working Girl? You you were an older person. I was not an older. Oh, person. You, oh you were very young. I was a young baby. Okay, okay, <laughs> well, not a young baby. Okay, but so I was. So I think Working Girl came out. I I. I all I know is I watched it in the early '90s, and it was probably okay, no, so. That is you. That is you, very young. Yeah, that's me, very young. Okay. I think that's pre-teen. Okay, all right. So that could be this puppy love film. Yeah, and it's really interesting because Working Girl is a little bit of an uh, adult-themed film. It is. Um, Harrison Ford. I haven't seen it. It's I, Harrison I know Ford, it. and I can't remember who the the. Um, the, the the female lead was, but there's that that woman also who was in, is it Predator? Yeah. Um, what's her name? <laughs> well, anyway, yeah, but yeah, basically, yeah. but why? It's why'd... between Working Girl and Pretty Woman. Okay. Bizarre, hey. Um, so both romantic films. Oh my god. Okay. But Working Girl, I think you could argue probably put you in a bit of motion to be more entrepreneurial and to be more well it depends how you look at pretty woman <laughs> well yeah but um pretty woman's girl... got a very interesting story which we'll talk about but 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 did working girl set a precedent for you as to how you yes. how I... you were going to be a working girl yourself yeah, so i i just remember like the the big big takeout from working girl for me was on some oh i def it, it had an underdog 
um, mm. element to it yeah. um, with the lead character just coming from like, you know, um, like the hood, I suppose. And um, and just like being smart and constantly being taken for granted and then like showing um, up for herself. And then, you know, it just ends in this really, she she gets the job, she gets the man, she gets everything. Lovely. Um, but I remember just thinking it was career woman focused. Yeah, that's what I mean. Yes. Yeah, and it's, it's, yeah. it's in the name. In a time where like um, in the movie specifically, most women were receptionists. Yeah, Melanie, Melanie Griffith. Yes, Melanie Griffith. And Sigourney Weaver with a woman. There you go. Yeah, yeah with, a, with a woman. So I really, I really, I don't know why it just stuck. It just stuck. So I was watching it, um, like I said, a week or two weeks ago. And I was just like, oh, I still like it. I might watch it again in another two That's years. <laughs> no, well then, yeah, you'll see when, when, we, when we work our way through this, the, the, the very last question is, is, is which film you would settle down with oh but my we'll, God. we'll get there and it might be this film because you keep coming <laughs> back to it um okay so you grew up in eastern cape you moved around a bit uh where was high school um high school was here in johannesburg actually okay so then you know yeah. in the big city i'm in the big city i'm in the big city and you know yeah crafting your working girl persona yes did you do any of these kind of hustles when you were in high school did you put on events yes did i did when i was in high school i was part of a poetry collective Nice. Uh, called Perm. Which Did you guys click? We definitely clicked. I love that. We definitely clicked. I love that. That's a thing when people <laughs> do it at poetry shows. They don't clap, they click. Yeah. To show we love and appreciation for something. We definitely, definitely um, did that. Okay, and so we're starting to get a bit artistic. We're starting to be the creative Nandi that uh, the family goes, uh, okay. Yeah, um, it's very suspicious. As long as, as long as she's healthy and happy, we're okay. We might not understand the poetry but we're 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 willing to um tolerate this um what was the films you were enjoying in in high school yeah so um two films and both have a very similar theme as well um it was uh i think it was slam which featured Saul okay. Williams as well as Love Jones. I was about to say, yeah. Love Jones had to have featured. Huge feature, huge, huge feature. I think, um, I think Slam because of like just the, um, the writing integrity in that and just like um, how creativity can, can, you can find freedom within your creativity, which is a really strong theme there. And you can discover yourself through your creativity. I think um, Love your, Jones... Yeah, your expression. Yes. Love Jones is a more like commercial version, I suppose. Yeah, Love Jones is a is a very sexy film. Incredibly sexy. Because it's it's this combination of... Well, the basic back of the box of Love Jones is um, uh, 20-somethings in Chicago, love... We mismatched. Yeah. We don't know yeah. whether we're together or not, and um, it's a basic sort of love yeah, story. But the soundtrack oh, to it, both literal and figurative, the best is this kind of sexy double bass jazz. As they are spend the characters spend quite a lot of time in and out of this um, yeah. poetry club, and it's all about sort of it's wooing great. each other through and, poetry. But she's, <laughs> she's also like um, a professional. She's a creative professional. She's a photographer, and a, yes, a good big, point. Yeah, a big part good of point. that is about um, her. Um, you know, no, no, uh, loving, but this oh, the constant parallel is her career. The constant good point. parallel yeah, yeah, is yeah. her career. Okay, this is all. It's all making sense. You can see this. You can see how you were sculpting your, yeah. yourself. Yes, okay. and just you know, being a person who. Um, who chose herself a lot, who chose her work 
um, yeah. quite a bit. Yeah. Um, but also just like idea of being in a romantic relationship with a fellow creative and what that could possibly entail. The, mm. the ego struggles of you're doing well, it's they true. might not be blah, blah, blah. But also I think I love the theme of people um, and it also exists in Working Girl is people finding them finding a way back to each other. Okay. Um, because, yeah, I like, yeah. So, because even working girl, like Harrison Ford at some point kind of just, you know, doesn't believe that she's not a liar and they kind of rift and then they have to find a way back to each other. Mm. Here with uh, Lawrence Tate and Nia Long, they also have to find a way back yeah. to each other. Yeah. So I just, I love that as a theme. Yeah, <laughs> lovely. Okay, okay. But we're putting on events we, we're starting to sculpt our, our career. Um, then we go to kind of university job time. Did you study? Did you do anything? Yes, after I did. I, start, I studied um, film at AFTA. Ah. Yeah. Just around the corner. Just from, around the from corner. Where we are now. Yes. Okay. All right. So then, I mean, you can see how you're a perfect guest for the video <laughs> store to some degree. But um, what did you do at, at AFTA? Uh, producing. I majored in producing. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah. I producing, in producing is one of the most underrated parts of the film industry. Let me tell you. And certainly the most unglamorous part. And it is, so when I went to AFTA, I'd actually applied to be a director. And when we were, we were sat in an auditorium where, I can't remember, but I don't know if it was Barta or Garth or Dion, but one of the three oh. Uh, was giving us a... These were the guys that were the sort of heads yeah, of... Yeah, the founders after, of The after, founders, yeah. that's right. And basically... You, you must have been one of the the first few. I, w- I was in the first like three to five years or something. Yeah, okay. So basically, and he was on some, you know, most of here are here as directors. And I want to tell you that, you know, you um, basically talked about how maybe our ambitions or passions are misplaced because we don't understand. Because the knee-jerk reaction for most people, at least at the time, who wanted to be in film was to say, I want to be a director. Yeah, everyone looks at Nobody thought, Tarantino. Oh, exactly. Nobody fucking, thought, yeah. because those are, un, they're not glamorous. Those, you know, art directors, cinematographers weren't as celebrated, weren't as vocalized, mm. at least then, yeah. that they are now. No one knew, okay, I could just be an editor, you know, and what that yeah. meant. So you didn't understand the team that made a film. And I remember one of the trio gave this speech around, do you know, he was on some, do you know, um, because at the time, Titanic was huge. It was yeah, like yeah. Titanic. And I was like, do you know who walked off uh, with the award for best um, film for Titanic? And everyone was obviously like, um, whoever the James director, Cameron. It, it just, I was like, no, no, no. no. I've made this point. <laughs> I've made this point. I know exactly what point you're going to make. Yeah. Which he, is the best film award goes to the th- producer. Goes to the producer. And the then, biggest film of the night belongs to, to the, the producer. producer. But it doesn't don't even belong know that. to the director. Yeah. It belongs to the admin person. Yeah. Because, I mean, that's what you get called at when you're in, at school. You're like, you're the admin person. Yeah, the yeah, director yeah. is the is the creator. Is the and, visionary. Yeah, and, and actually, um, and I think that every single person uh, that works on, on set is a visionary because it takes, sure, all those, sure. it takes all those parts to make this beautiful thing. Yeah. But... 
it had me curious about, okay, well then what does a producer do? And I remember then just like setting up some time with the head of production lecture, just a lecturer to find out, okay. And I was like, oh no, I want to be that person. Um, I want to be the person that helps to actualize. I want to be the person that yeah. connects the people in order to have this thing come alive. I don't want to just be the person with the idea. I want to be the person who can make the idea happen. Yeah. So in my life, I was like, at some point, I think I will, you know, direct and write. But I was like, the... I, but I want to produce yeah. more than I actually want to do those other two things. I get that 100%. And that was always me. I, you can appreciate this. I was also at a film school. <laughs> probably similar <laughs> times to, to you. I was at Wits. Uh-huh. I got more of a kick, or just as much of a kick, out of holding the DVD cover of our movie, which had a poster that I created, mm-hmm. you know, with the DVD logo and the film production logo. And for me, it wasn't about the designing of the logo. It was about holding this product that I'd, I'd created. The fact that I had directed that one in particular was cool and nice yeah. and it was my idea. But I was, I was more excited about holding that finished product, having that thing sort of published, produced, yeah. done. Yeah. So if, I, if, if you said, I have to exist in the film industry, go, I would also, I would go straight producing. to producing. Because yeah. what is the point of your beautiful creative vision if it doesn't get made? Yeah. <laughs> if the budget someone didn't, needs didn't to get created the man- for but- it or, or the budget wasn't allowed for something like you, you hold the purse strings, you hold everything, yeah. you, you actually make it happen, literally and make I, it and happen. And I think people, it, 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 it needs some talking up, like how, how yeah. special and important that role is. So okay. I, yeah, so one of the trios changed the trajectory of my life and career okay. through that one like yeah. lecture. Yeah. And okay, so around that time, you're now more of a grown-up. Mm-hmm. You're out and about. What were some of those those movies that that came to you around that time? This is what we call the "It's Getting Serious" film, which is like the equivalent of like you've moved in together. Life's um, life's getting more real. Hectic. So around that time, it would be. Oh my God, is it around that time? I'm thinking. Then I was really into like Eternal Sunshine. Of a nice. Mind. That's my film. Being John Malkovich. That's my, <laughs> those are all my. Um, it's getting serious film. When, when we were when we were looking at this. I'm a filmmaker now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When we were looking at this um, way of questioning and this kind of structure we wanted to do in these in these guest chats, we tested it out on ourselves. Yeah. Um, in an episode, and I was like. It's eternal sunshine for me. It's, yeah. it's, it's Michelle Gondry and how they are making this incredible film that just came together with I mean, practical effects and just incredible editing, incredible, it was incredible. soundtrack, vision. It's lovely. So, okay, yeah. so Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. Yes. Which is an, yeah, such a lovely film. It was written, same, same as Being John Milkovich, they were written by Charlie Kaufman. Yeah, so, um, so those two Which are... the point you were making is that, you know, people didn't know who the other members of the teams of these, of these films were. Um, I remember around that time us actually recognizing someone like a writer. Yes, so, yes. So, so Charlie Kaufman... Yeah, at that point... Here came this writer who was behind a bunch of films we really loved. And so then people at that time were now looking to what film Charlie Kaufman was writing. Yes, yes, yes. So so exactly what you're saying. It's getting a bit more um, expanded and broken up so that people can 
appreciate but other parts. But I suppose parts, we know. were also getting, you know, um, we were older, more mature, so we didn't treat things as face as, value. Yeah. At, at face value. Yeah. So you did actually start um, watching the credits. Yeah. No, and, 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 and <laughs> you also, just start looking up, like, oh man, there's a style here. What is this? Who yeah. did this? Yeah. And same as the, the person who did the score for Eternal Sunshine is someone called John Bryan, oh who I also God. seeked out to go, okay, well, what else has he done? Don't talk to me about scores. My favorite. Um, um, what, oh my God, I can't believe um, Nicholas um, Bertelli. Okay. Nicholas Bertelli did Succession. He did um, If Beale Street Could Talk. He did okay. Moonlight um, and a bunch of others. He is my absolute favorite, like absolute, absolute favorite. Oh, I love yeah, you. Yeah, like, okay. yeah, Nicholas, Nicholas Bertelli or Nicholas Bertelli. Okay. But, like he's really amazing. Lovely. Um, okay, so shortly out of after, did you make any films or did you go straight into your... Your your brunch parties. Let me tell you, it's Nicholas Brittel. <laughs> Brittel. But, um, <laughs> straight after after, um, I then went and did business um, management. Nice. And then um, I started working. I worked on a on a set, but it wasn't even as something. I just I, I needed money, and then I ended up being a a stand-in. For like and for Bonnie Bully, and that's actually how me and her became friends, um, a friendly, um, and I was her stand-in for this film by Philip Noyce, and you might remember Philip Noyce. He yeah. did that yeah, movie that's... with Angelina Jolie and Denzel yeah. Washington, Bone Man. Yeah, yeah the Bone Collector. The, yeah, the Bone Collector. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, she does this film with Philip Noyce, and then, and to, if I have to be honest, I'd already had a suspicion that I was not built mm. in this way. But yeah, and I know exactly what times, you're saying because I was going through the same thing. Okay, but you yeah. know the call times? The, the, the call times were ridiculous. The time away from home were, yeah. were crazy. And I was, I just was on some, I hated being a part of the experience. And I was like, how can you want to be a filmmaker and yeah. And not quite like the process of making the films. Totally. No, no, no. And and I, I was very similar. I loved the idea. I was passionate about everything. And then I would go, when we had to make the films, I was like, this is tough and hard. I don't, I don't want to um, be a part of this. And then there was a point, now you can just imagine me, there was a point in my film school going, what am I going to do? Like, I don't really, I can do this. I don't really want to do that. being my career for the rest of my life. I was like, there's no way I'm doing what, this. You know, how am I going to fit in? And then I meet this guy, Daryl, who was my friend, and he was writing his thesis on whether or not there was space for an independent cinema in Johannesburg. And I was his buddy and I was like, oh, oh my God, let's do go. it. Let's do it. Let's there actually make, let's make the the cinema. But also, because just going what's back, the point of all of us making our films, films if there's no, no place, place to, to show actually it? show them? <laughs> so, it, but it also goes, I think, um, we're young, right? We don't know enough about the industry. It's like passageways, it's corridors, it's layers, and everything. But all we know is that we love films, yeah. we love filmmaking. Yeah. And then as you get older with more exposure, you know, you then realize, oh, actually, this is how I want to serve. Yeah. and contribute to this community or to this thing that I love. Yeah. And that takes time and that mm. takes like knowledge of self and growth and like a lot of mistakes. But I just knew being on set, I was like, oh, heck no. Even now when yeah. I have to do content production, my team knows like my least favorite thing is being on set. <laughs> so, so being on set is very similar to like being an operating band. 
And oh. so and so we could very much do it in our 20s and our early 30s. But there comes a, a similar sentiment, despite how cool the tour is, once you've done it for I a decade imagine. as a band. And, you know, there's a, there's a sentiment now where we're like, okay, like, it sounds cool. Thank you for inviting Short Straw or whatever to a show in Cape Town. But, like, it's a whole day. It's a whole day for 40 minutes. You know, <laughs> and it's um, it's one of those things that people don't necessarily understand. And people would, you know, there's a whole bunch of hungry bands that would kill for that chance. And yeah. they would wonder why you would say no. But you're like, well. <laughs> so I love, I love being in the office. I love being in studio. I love being inside the studio. So the stuff, um, so after like that experience on set as a stand-in, I was like, Mm-mm, this is, I don't want to be here. And we're shooting in Sasselberg. I'm like. I don't want to do this. Because you've got to get to that sunset or yeah, that yeah. sunrise. And you've got to be in that little Karoo town. It's dirty. Not, not for a day, for uh, months if I you're was shooting there, I was, there. Yeah, I was in Sasselberg for weeks. So then um, part of the world. <laughs> I ended up going to work for a design and animation studio. Cool. And then shit just started clicking. Yeah. I really fell in love with um, that side of the world. And it was... Um, so like building brand identities um, and so on, like ads. And I was like, oh, I really like, I really, really like this. The commercial world as well. Yeah. Kind of understanding so, the so, business. So less commercial broadcast. So I specifically enjoyed um, like channel Im- Im- imagery and design. Mm. So we, so by the time I was like, Maybe five to ten years into my career, I worked at an agency um, called Clearwater, yeah, and there I was. Famous. Yeah, I was there. I was head of local interest, which meant that I, um, on the agency side, managed the Zanzi Magic account, um, Channel O, um, Vuzu and Vuzu Amp. Yeah. On the agency side, so it was promo work, but it was also identity. It was idents. It was just just making sure that all of it is cool. Yeah, that it all it's is all packaged. It's, yeah, and it's conceptualized. So we, 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 the studio Clearwater actually conceptualizes what the channel is going to look like, the mm. channel ID. Mm. So, um, and then what are the idents like? What the opening and closing people? And I was like, oh, I, I kind of like, I like this. Mm. And then um, it also kept me in the studio, which I was really, really fond of. It, yeah. I can't tell you how much I, I disliked being on set. It was weird. Yeah. Um, and then. And then I, and then it's just and then it became then I would attend events and then I would just be hypercritical of the experience that I'm having. Just like, oh, like maybe they should have done it like this. And then I was like, oh, okay, cool. And then so when I was invited to be part of this um this team that would eventually birth the weekend social, that also made sense. So it's weird because I can be on on setup for like festivals and events and experiences, live podcastings, experiences, yeah. all yeah. that stuff. Happy. Yeah. Happy. Yeah. But there was just something, it just didn't connect. Yeah. I, it just, so I like to say, you know, it wasn't, it may, it may not have been filmmaking per se that I was really in love with. Maybe I was in love with storytelling and storytelling for me is something that can be, um, it, it precedes filmmaking. Um, filmmaking is a type of storytelling. Sure. Having an ex- throwing an experience is a type of storytelling. 
um, podcasting is a type of storytelling. Yeah. Right. So I like storytelling. So as a result, I tend to like to do a bunch yeah. of I show up in different ways that storytelling can manifest itself. And and all those things will come together to have you paint a picture for yourself, for your own idea, or for what a brand is trying yes. to get across. Yes, yes. You know? So sometimes a brand will come to me and be like, oh, we want to throw an event um, or a party or whatever. And I'm like, I don't think that's the thing that you need. I think and realize it's the thing that you want. What you really want to tell, what you want to do is... is you feel like you have a story to tell and you're trying to reach people, but throwing a party might not be the right way to do it. So as an example... Yeah. It doesn't have to be a party. It, it could be, be a, a morning brunch. Exactly. Because the people who consume it could be you a are very bright, exactly. sunshiny day people. It could be a networking people. event. Like a, a client of ours, um, Rupert and Rothschild, their whole thing was like, we want to connect with our... Great uh, wine. You know, um, a very, very great wine. We want to connect with our community and, you know... And we're like, cool, that's all you need to tell us. We'll figure out how you should be connecting with your community based on mm. insights, based on blah, blah, blah. And so what we ended up creating for them is creating a series called Making Moments, which is around um, celebrating creative titans in an intimate gathering that we then package as content. Mm. So it's like... so Yeah, intimate makes sense for a brand like Rupert and Rothschild. 1,000%. It's, like, it's very much... A small, cozy f elite, without saying it. Yeah, yeah. But, because um, it, they're premium, exclusive, pre premium um, um, winemaker, and so the experiences genuine. need to feel There's all those premium. right words that you yeah. can. But you can make it inclusive um, through con through a really deliberate content strategy. Not everybody has to be in the experience, but you can, you know, keep telling the story through yeah. really. And then social media can obviously yeah. get it out to lots can, of people. Yeah. But not everyone needs. But to at be the in core there. of it is is something small and intimate. Um, you could appreciate this. Uh, the, we were at Rocking the Daisies once as a band, and we um, were walking down this passage towards the Red Bull stage, and. No disrespect, but Budweiser had this like big activation mm -hmm. that was the most American thing you could ever imagine. Big red, huge screens, basketball hoops. Oh wow! It it, it was it was America okay. <laughs> as a as an activation, which is cool, which is perfect for Budweiser, right? Just across the path, on the other side of the path, was this very small little Ballantines tent, a mm -hmm. little blue Ballantines tent. If you blink, you could have missed it. But it was one of the greatest things because when you went inside, it was smaller like jazz stuff mm -hmm. and more poetry and more um, <laughs> click, click, click stuff. <laughs> and they had these kinds of bands that or music acts that could play long sets. So they were more jazzy, um, freeform stuff as opposed to particular acts that you would be going to. And we discovered this and we thought this was so great. And we called it amongst ourselves because we had to sort of come up with a name for what we thought this tent was because we would meet there um, at various points across yeah. the festival. We said, let's meet at Cuba because we were like <laughs> this tiny little thing across the path America! from the big America. Uh, and it, of course it had this kind of Cuban-esque sort of vibe to it and that it was this Buena Vista social yeah, club yeah, kind yeah. of music. But it was just so funny Ooh, that these two were existing. One. Yeah, The Buena Vista social club. The, the film. Yes. Yeah. Very, very good one. Um, but yeah, that's right. It's, it's what you're saying. It's, it's getting it right for the, the people that would consume that. Yeah. 
that stuff. Um, you've just finished the very cool Spotify activation. Yes. Greasy Tunes. Yes. Where you gave um, Spotify its kind of physical space yes. in Bramfontein, so that's, you know, more of a city urban feel. And you put on these events. It was for a month. It was for um for the full month of what month are we in? For the full month of July. Yeah. Um Where you, and you, it was for twenty days within the month of July. And that looked like such a success. It was because it was a party and then in the day it could be a yes. space for podcasting. Yeah, so it was it was really events. it was really great because firstly Spotify isn't just about um the, the the music and therefore parties. Spotify has always had like their skin in the game um, for masterclasses, podcasts, and so on. So it was really great to um, curate an experience that just wasn't parties. That whole thing, like, like I think mm. another person, another agency, another team, both from outside and would Spotify have just team, done a party. Would have just done a series of parties, but you know. I, I, it was just extended in the most like beautiful way because the concept of um, the Greasy Tunes Cafe, the space, is the fact that, you know, with this really great music and great moments, it of, often ends in really greasy food. Yeah. <laughs> no, it was nice. And greasy, greasy was the right word. It's yeah. funny how you can take what could be a... It could have been negative, been a, hey? a negative word. I know. I was really nervous, uh, but it came up, It came together so well. So we had this cafe that was open from Wednesday to Sunday, and you could get come in for breakfast. Mm. It was open from 10 to 1. You could come in for like a late breakfast. And then the later part of the afternoons on the Wednesday, Thursdays were dedicated to podcasting and masterclasses, which was amazing. And then the evenings were dedicated to, you know, um, parties but even the parties were um because there's different gears of a party like you know when you're driving a manual car it's like mm. one two three four five so you know or on, if you fast in the furious where you go to 10 <laughs> <laughs> they keep changing gears yeah. Yeah, but yeah. you know we, it was very much like on a thursday it was dancing through the decades so it wasn't necessarily like um Gear four, gear five, it was usually like a two or three because it was all about music appreciating, mm. um, music appreciation through the decades of that particular genre because the event was themed by genre oh, per cool. week. So, you know, you had Mint Week, which was like very um, electronic um, music. So you just, you you were privy to what electronic music looked or sounded like through the decades in South Africa on a Thursday, oh, that's cool. you know, and then you brought in like... So, um, so you guys came up with all those ideas? Yes. So basically this was um, a very collaborative um, effort, but led by sp the Spotify team. So we worked, um, our lead was actually Bia um, and we worked very closely that's, with the music That's team. her name. Sorry. Yeah, B-A-B-E-A. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. You weren't led by the drink no, beer. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but sorry, at this point, sorry, quickly before we go too far, who's we? What is the agency now? So um, when, when I say we, I mean um, Mamakashaka, which is the agency that I, 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 I founded and I'm creative and managing director for, so me and my team. And when, when did that take place? shape 2017 okay yeah so 2017 okay. we're turning six this year so there were a bunch of parties before you were learning you were creating your yeah. experience and then you you sort of were like okay let's let's find a home base let's let's make let's, this a let's, thing yeah. yeah let's actually make this a thing and the thing is um the always the big thing is that we are we are known most 
for our parties because I think that's the thing that people can grab onto the easiest. But mm. ever since we, we launched, actually, ever since I started, we have done um, talks workshops, masterclasses, this conferences. Will, will ultimately be your legacy. Yeah, yeah. exhibitions. But obviously, I think the, the parties are always the thing that, you know, make the big news. Because sure. you and I know that um, Greasy Tunes included, you know, podcasting and masterclass. Yeah. But, you know, you get to a certain level, there's, you know, thousands mm. of people who just remember the parties. Yeah. <laughs> but it's nice, that, it's nice that you've got that depth. You know, there's the pretty face in the front and then there's one realizes there's, the there's, there's brains behind it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's, that's cool. Um, okay. What, is, uh, what does the name mean? Where did that come from? So agency name Mamakashaka um, comes from me. So mm-hmm. um, Mamakashaka just means Shaka Zulu's mother. Shaka okay. Zulu's mother's name was Nandi. So, <laughs> okay. So it came from because you know when people say um it's business, it isn't personal. I couldn't disagree with you more. Um I think that business is incredibly personal or can be personal, or at least it is for me. I spend more time um within my profession than in any other character of mine. I yeah. spend more time at the office. You spend more time with your colleagues than you will with your husband, wife, partner than you will ever with with your kids. How can it not be personal? Or at least this is my thinking. Yeah. So I remember thinking that I really wanted to build um I wanted to acknowledge um what a personal journey this was because I left like a really great lucrative like yeah. you know role in like broadcasting and advertising to pursue yeah. this uncertain path so it was a very personal decision yeah. to where your personality was probably lost in a big corporation 1000% and so made this um decision to take this um journey which was incredibly personal i even when i on on board um employees and you know people who make up my team i tell them about how personal this is for me, the sacrifices I have made, you know, as a result and what personal ways in which my career or this path is satisfying for me, particularly yeah. as a mother, you know, being able to show up for my son in certain ways because I'm, you know, I own my time. Yeah. And, and and so now I can always say, well, you know, I need to take half the day to go watch my son, um, you know, play a game. Yeah, and it was I'm, interesting that when you introduced yourself, you, you did say mom first. Yeah, which mother is and entrepreneur. So this, this, this thing, um, which I love and I'm passionate about also like is service to, you know, my, my, my role and responsibilities as a mother. And, and of course now your, your business's ethics and name and mantra and everything <laughs> You know, constantly points yeah, to motherhood. It does, and and that's the spirit lovely. of no, nurturing and empowering um, is was a very big for me. But you you very much see a, a how a, a company can have its culture, and it's very much filtered down from the top. Mm. You can see what just on a huge level what South Africa had for the last eight years under Zuma, where from the very top. There was, you can you see know, how it filters down. And you can down. see how it filters down. Yeah. It's, it's quite something. But, you know, leadership is hard. Being an employer um, is, 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 is not without its, 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 its yeah. challenges. And there's, there's this constant requirement to work on yourself as a person within the role of leadership all the time. Because I don't think that not many of us are natural leaders, but we have to learn to be leaders we need to yeah. we need to be cognizant of the impact that we have on culture 
Yeah. On that on that world and that in, in that environment. But it's know? the same as sculpting the mind of your son. Yes. It's a combination of like, of course, love. But to be a good parent often involves like being quite no. stern. It's saying no and quite being a bit. quite tough and and but being fair. Yeah. Yeah. And also being um um communicative. So I we have this thing. Um I journal and so my son journals. Be- okay. Because he's you know, he's a, he's a child. He must do as instructed for the most yeah, part. Yeah. And and we have this, um, we try to do it in the mornings when we can. If not, we'll do it in the evenings where I ask him, okay, cool. As part of your morning practice, you need to journal. How did I show up for myself yesterday? How did mm-hmm. I not show up for myself? How could I have shown up in the instances I recognize I didn't show up? Because what, is, what is show up? Show up I is, mean, I know the expression, but I don't yeah, quite know so what that means. It, it was actually, that th- those specific cues were inspired by the fact that my son is a really um, talented basketball player. But okay. he was often not getting the ball passed to because he was actually a little bit of a meek player. So he'd make you it to You've got to make yourself available to yes, get the ball. Yes, and say, yeah. ball. Yeah. You, need, you need to say I'm available, you know. Mm. So my son would like make it all to the other side of the court and just kind of like wait for someone to yeah. see him. So it became yeah. a thing, and I was like, and he was like, he recognizes that about there's an him. aggressiveness that's needed. That's or needed tenacity. Yeah, yeah. To yeah. To, to to live, yeah. <laughs> to yeah. just live in this world, you know. And so it became very uh, important because I think we we will always uh, we we are aware when we don't show up. And in conversations, you never, you ever have a conversation with someone or a group of people, and you don't say the things that were on your mind, and you play back the conversation afterwards, when you, yeah. afterwards, and you're like, I really wanted to say this, I really should've wanted to say, I should have gotten across, across. Yeah, yeah. all that stuff. But if it's an intentional practice, there's you're going to improve. Yeah. You're just going to improve. Yeah. So it was. It just needed to be an intentional practice because that's something we noted about him. He'll play soccer and maybe just. And I'm like, no, there's a, there's a something here. Yeah. So it's also very quite like an intentional thing. But all of life should be intentional. It often ends up not being, but it is. I think that's the only way to th- genuinely thrive. So, so you literally write it out as a way yeah. to just document it. You could go back to it. Yes. You can always look back and go, yeah, and earlier this year practice, I said that. That was quite yeah, interesting. But no, we, see it, we see it anymore, now. We yeah. see it now. He went from, um, he had basketball trials earlier in the year and he didn't make it and he was completely devastated. Yeah. And now he's had trials now and he's made it. And we spoke about, do you, do you think that you doing this journal practice has in any way like um, contributed to you being a better player and coming up with a yeah. different result? He was like, yes, because... Every time I I acknowledged how I didn't do something, I was like, the next time yeah. I do it, I'm going to do it better. So it does. Yeah. It's little things. Yeah, sure. It also had me realize the challenge of running your own business. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> you know, I'm in a very similar boat. Mine's a movie movie shaped boat. Yes, a cinema shaped boat. But um, yeah, and, and how you've got to keep your own motivation up. Yeah. And there are times where you feel tired and you but then it's good to take the break and it's, you know. But yeah, let's um let's wrap this up. I think perhaps the last little quick one was what you would settle down with. And for you, you you think that could be working girl? This is the film you want to marry. I know, I'm thinking, I'm thinking. Listen, you I don't have to you don't actually have to have met this film yet. I don't think I have met the film okay. yet. Okay. 
right. No, that could, be, that could be fair. Yeah. But listen, I think you are just so incredible. And I'm just from afar, I've admired everything that you've done. And it's lovely that you are in the center and that your energy is close to me. <laughs> and we can, um, yeah, and we can just keep doing cool stuff together. Absolutely. Okay. I appreciate your time. Thank you, Nandi. Absolute pleasure. Thank you. And yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing all the future activations and events. Yeah, I'm looking forward to meeting my future movie. Yeah. <laughs> it's coming. <laughs> all right. Cheers. Okay. Thank you. Bye. Bye. All right. What a lovely chat. Yeah. What a special individual. Mm. She seems cool. <laughs> full of energy and full of life mm. and, and just such a force to be around, which mm. I've always very much appreciated. I don't even think we touched the surface on all the stuff she's produced oh, right. and, and done. Um, we didn't even get into that part of her career that much. Um, she put on something called Pantone's Pantone Sundays, I think. Okay. Pantone, you know, which are the color. Yes. Uh, Pantone is the name of a, 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 a effectively a company which which um, put uh, colors. Yeah, they're like standardized they're standardized colors. colors. Yeah, so that like if you if you're designing something in Photoshop or if you're doing designing a product. Mm. You can ensure that like your color branding and also all that sort of thing matches. Like, all matches. So they set yeah. a standard of, of colors and and uh, they put on this event where I think they picked a color okay. each time and you had to sort of play within that color, <laughs> um, which is so interesting and so yes. cool. Feel good series. Uh, you know, there's many people that – I love the idea of, of the fact that there's many people that know all the things that she's done, but they mm. might not necessarily know her. Yes. And I think that's – the blessing into some degree and the curse of being a producer mm. <laughs> is that you've made some of the most famous, most recognized things in the world, yes. yet people don't necessarily know you yeah. were the person behind it, <laughs> which is which is sometimes not a bad thing. Yeah. Because I have been um, going further deep into the Beckham thing. Uh, right. The Beckham uh, mini-series or limited series uh, docu-series mm. on Netflix. I brought it up an episode two ago when yeah. we saw the trailer and I was very curious to see how they were going to tackle the life of David Beckham. Right. Um, and I made a comment about how it's interesting that it's through the lens of of um, mental health these days. Yeah. It looks, it, we are looking more closely at certain aspects of people's lives in a different way now that we have different lenses to look at. Mm -hmm. uh, but then after the first episode, I was like, oh, this is a puff piece. Oh, uh, yeah. And I was like, oh, this is just about how famous and talented he is. Yes. But then it got interesting. Uh, okay. Then it got very interesting. Then by like episode two, it unpacked certain things that I didn't even know. Right. I didn't even remember. And the one was this moment that happened in this qualifying game for the World Cup. Oh. Uh, or it was a part of the World Cup where he he kind of lost his cool right. and and put his leg out so he got he got tackled and then he put his leg out maliciously right. for a guy to fall over yes and it wasn't even that bad but of course in <laughs> soccer the guy you know yes. um, falls over and goes oh my god he tripped me he yeah. tripped me and um 
and that resulted in him getting a red card, which uh, threw right. off this game. They then didn't continue in the World Cup, right. and um, and and the English hated him. So right. it becomes about this kind of court of public opinion and how the whole world, well, like his whole world, mm-hmm. was like booing him, right? And just how much pressure those mm. people put on these famous people yes and how much and he was having a baby at that time and he was doing all this so it was really interesting to see the the yeah the the sort of the challenge of that and okay. how he needed to make his yeah he needed to salvage his reputation in the eyes of the right. people and how he and it's yeah it's it's very interesting. Then it becomes quite nuanced. Okay, cool. So I'm enjoying it. Okay, good old Beckham, which is on <laughs> Netflix. All right, um, and you just forget how insanely famous they were because yes. you know it was him and a Spice Girl, so yeah. it was like doubly famous. They're both good looking. Mm. Um, you know, people love to pick someone to hate. Yeah, you know that's <laughs> like uh, Nickelback. Yeah, you know people think that Nickelback aren't popular because. We see so much hate for the band. Yeah, that is a small fraction in comparison yeah. to how famous and loved they are. Yeah, so you forget that. Yes, that they only you know people only pick these dudes at the top to what is it the the highest peaks get the most wind. Uh, right. Some expression. Yeah, it's like like these default opinions form where like I can guarantee you there are people who have never heard a Nickelback song that they say, "Oh, Nickelback shit, I hate Nickelback." Yeah, yeah, you know. But it's it, it only comes where they've just been so famous yeah. and they've just been so well known. Mm. But uh, anyways, how how are things with you, G-Force? Yeah, pretty good, eh? Not too terrible. Not too terrible. Yeah. Oh, good. What kind of <laughs> movies are you watching? For those who don't know, Yo. G-Force uh, has very rightfully earned his, his, uh, his job here at the video store because he has given himself the challenge... Of watching uh, yes. one movie a day. Yes. This whole year. That's right. Two eighty one yesterday, I think. And you're just doing it effortlessly? Yeah, I mean sometimes it's a little bit of a slog. I mean like <laughs> ch- choosing shorter movies lately just to make my life easier. Okay. And so by um, shorter movies might those be the new Wes Anderson. Those shorts? include well, I'm on a bit of a Wes Anderson kick at the moment. I watched Royal Tenenbaums last night and that was a start that started because I watched the four Netflix shorts yes. that so, Wes Anderson just put out. Yeah, so that was quite a nice little surprise for Wes Anderson fans. Mm. Um, he has adapted a bunch of Roll Doll shorts, which yeah, we've been talking right. about. Yeah, you mentioned them briefly last week. Mm, I started watching um, Henry Sugar. Yeah, the wonderful story of Henry Sugar. Which is cool. It's very good. I actually it, enjoyed it, nice. it a lot. Once you, once you just accept the fact that you're going to watch this kind of cinematic stage play... Yeah, that's the thing, like, because his style has become, like, kind of more and more theatrical in a way, mm. and this, like, really doubles down on that to the point where they're, like, like, there's stage hands that come in and out and, like, hand the actors things. And they talk, they, 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 they talk a lot. They narrate, like, the <laughs> they, characters, they, narr- they switch between, like, narrating and dialogue. Yeah. Because like, the Wes Anderson movies have often had narration, but in this case, the actors are narrating, they'll literally look at the camera narrate and then turn to the other character and deliver a line of dialogue yeah it's very really uh, interesting breaking of the fourth wall yeah very but uh, are you digging them though i enjoyed most of them because okay. there's four of them um i think yeah obviously like the the big one is the the henry sugar one which is like a 40 minute yeah short film um i also like that it's not really 
Wes Anderson's usual people. Like you get used to seeing the same faces in his movies, but there's a bunch of people in this who haven't worked with him before. Yeah, he, which he, is quite cool. He tends to have the same actors for yes. better or for worse. Yeah, in in all his films, that people like Bill Murray, Owen yeah. Wilson. So like Ralph Fiennes is in these, and he's worked with him before, and um, Rupert Friend was in Asteroid City. Um, but then there's like Benedict Cumberbatch and Ben Kingsley, who's great in these. Ben Kingsley is mm. so good. And Dev Patel is fantastic. And Richard Ayoade, which is such a great addition too. Like yeah. his, his like whole, whole tone just fits Wes yeah. Anderson so well. It's interesting when you see a guy like Benedict Cumberbatch coming in to do these films, mm. you can almost imagine that, and this is the risk, is yeah. that these actors know the tone of a Wes Anderson and yes. that they play to the tone. Yeah. And they play to the style that they know Wes mm. Anderson as opposed to you know it's sort of as opposed to Wes Anderson getting something out of the actors the actors are bringing it yes. themselves which yeah. is kind of interesting yeah but apparently the reason people do the like you see all these famous people in these movies that cost like 20 30 million dollars yeah but it's because they all work like union scale which is the lowest amount they can be paid but they do it because apparently his movies are just like a big hang like everyone just like hangs out and they have meals together and it's just like the best time in the world yeah, and it's, a Wes Anderson movie. and it's cred, I think. Yeah, that I think helps it will as well. remain cred that, that they get to work with him and mm-hmm. they get they they want to be indie darlings. Yes. And it's an easy kind of way to do that, yeah. which is interesting. Okay. Uh what else are you enjoying? Um I watched a very cool movie recently that's yeah. new on Disney Plus. It's well depending on where you are, it's either Disney Plus or Hulu. Yes. Um and this is one of those ones where you're going, why did they put this on streaming and not in theaters? Okay. It's called No One Will Save You. Okay. It's a new horror movie, and it's fucking cool. Okay. Why it's is it so cool? Why is it cool? Um, okay. Well, for one thing, it's so it's directed by Brian Duffield, who's the guy okay. who wrote um, Love and Monsters. Oh, I love Love and Monsters. Yeah, Love and Monsters is really cool. That was um, one of the most underrated films. It's on mm, Netflix. Yeah. He also wrote um, Wait, The so Babysitter. He, he, he wrote yeah. Love and Monsters. Yes. Because a South African director. Yes. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. right. Um, oh, Babysitter. Yeah, that's another Netflix great. movie. Yeah, he wrote that. He wrote um, Underwater, which is a very, which is a movie I quite enjoy. Okay. It's a Christian Stewart movie. But, so this is a movie. Um, no one will save you. What no is one it will about? save you. So it's about a woman who lives in like small town America in one of those like towns, slightly rural towns where the houses are like two miles apart. Yeah, yeah. Um, she's kind of ostracized in this little town. Like we're not sure why, but like she like, when she has to go into town, she kind of like sneaks in, tries to make sure no one sees her, gets out as soon as she can. And then she's at home at night. She lives by herself. There's a bloke in the house. Someone's broken into the house. A bloke. But it's not a bloke. (laughs) It's not a bloke. It's an alien. It's like a home invasion movie, but it's aliens. What do they look like? There's there's a few different kinds. Oh, so there's like these one. There's like your typical like gray alien style, like X Files style aliens. Yeah. And then there's like freaky little ones and these big like spindly tall marionette looking things. But it's such a fucking cool movie. But why is it cool? So well, for one thing, it's really well made. Like it looks great. It's like a twenty two million dollar movie, but it looks okay. incredible and it sounds incredible. The sound okay. design is incredible. Okay. And it's like. It's kind of borrowing from a bunch of things like signs and even like invasion of, of the body snatchers. And so like yeah. this invasion isn't just happening in, in her house. It's happening across the whole town. Okay. Right. Um, signs. Um, something on the internet the other day reminded me of how freaky signs was. I love signs. Because um, when you started, when you saw that first few footage mm. and there was that footage of that birthday 
party. Yes, yeah. And it's so freaky yeah. how I think that was one of the first times it was in that sort of era of Blair Witch mm. where where they were presenting this kind of CGI or presenting these aliens, but yeah. in a way that looked like it was found footage. Mm. Um, and just for a second, when it walks past, yes, between the like in that sort of alley in that house, yeah, fuck, it was scary. Yeah. <laughs> and and the thing on the internet was like, you know, let's not forget how freaked out we were when we saw yeah. this. And you don't see the aliens Mm-mm. literally right until the end. Yeah, and even then, you barely get to see them. And and the, and and that is smart. It's yeah. like the same strategy of Jaws, which was like. If we don't have access or whatever yeah. it was, or there was complications, yeah, on the set shark just never worked. The shark didn't work. Yeah. Then they they purposefully chose to show less of the mm. shark, yeah. so that when you do see it, you know, there's that one famous scene in Jaws where he sort of turns his head away yes. and then the shark comes up. Yeah, I mean that's what made it so scary. It happens an it hour the, into the movie. It was the unknown. Yeah, that was probably one of the first times you saw the actual shark. Mm. Yeah, no, um, it, it, it is smart when people understand. And work within their means in that yeah. way. Okay, so no one will save you. Is anyone famous in the movie? Um, the lead is, let me just check this quickly, um, Not uh, Caitlin no. Dever. I don't know who that so is. So she's in, she was in um, Booksmart. I remember Booksmart. That was she... the that was the sort of female, um, um, what was the Michael Cera, Jonah Hill film? Oh, uh, yeah. In high school? Yes, super bad. Super bad. Yeah. Like people... Put that as like the female yes. super bad. Um, she was also in Justified, which was a, tim- a show with um, Timothy Oliphant. No, okay. Um, you might recognize her, but yes, the thing that's really interesting about this movie, there is no dialogue. What? There's no dialogue in the entire movie. Oh shit! Yeah, that's a that's a biggie, right? Because <laughs> most of the movie is just her on her own, like fighting these aliens. And why would basically. she talk? Yeah, yeah exactly. There's like basically one like slightly whispered line of dialogue in the whole film that relates to again she's kind of ostracized in this town and they kind of keep it from you until like close to the end. Oh, interesting. It's cool. I really like this movie. Little uh, little South African tangent here. Yo. Speaking of someone who's ostracized in their town, have you ever <laughs> done the Owl House? No. Do you know about it? Mm-mm. It's um it's a famous little monument. Um. In South Africa, and I might need you to edit this because I can't remember the town now. There's a little town, a little mining town, and this woman was was an artist who lived on the sort of edge of the town. Yeah. What is the town called? Um, and, and the Owl House New Bethesda. New Bethesda, yeah. And um, and people sort of thought she was kooky and weird or like a witch mm. or whatever. And, okay. And she made the most incredible art. Okay. And now her her house, her sort of kooky house with yes. all its weird like sculptures and sculptures, stuff. Yeah, I'm looking at pictures. A of lot those. of which are these kind of owls um, with glass and coloured mm. glass have now become this monument. So it's interesting That's how interesting. someone who who lives on the outskirts and of course now this little town, which really has very little to offer, yes. anymore because it's kind of in the middle of nowhere. Mm, it's in the Western Cape. Yeah. Um, now this whole town exists because of her. Yeah. But she was in her time, um, the complete opposite. Right. Like no one wanted anything to do with her. That's interesting. A little bit like uh, where the crawdads sing, which is oh, the right. Netflix film. Where also mm. someone lives on the edge of town. And yes, people have got these kind of rumors about her as the Marsh Girl. Mm. Yeah, interesting. Anyway. Um, we finished Only Murders in the Building. Okay, cool. It is now done. We now know who done it <laughs> in this Who Done It. Yeah, and it's great. And I was thinking about it this morning. 
one of the metrics that streaming services use to determine whether or not a series or a film is successful yes. is the conversion rate. Mm. Doesn't really matter how many people tune into the episode one, yes. who gets to the end, and that oh. decides whether or not um, they should continue. Mm. A who done it is the perfect yeah. fodder for us because yeah. you literally need to know who done it. Exactly. Um, but it's great. They got uh, Meryl Streep in this one and Paul nice. Rudd, and of course the main stars are Selena Gomez, Martin Short, um, Steve Martin, Steve Martin. Yeah. And it's it's great. It's just cool. I love I love how it's got such a sort of timeless air to it. Oh, okay, that's cool. You know, it's got a sort of young coolness to some degree with yes. with Selena Gomez, you know, trying to kind of pin it to some youth. Yeah. But with these older bullies, mm. um, it's something that you could in theory very much watch like your parents could yeah. watch. And so it's just got this like all ages appeal mm. to it. It's raunchy enough to be raunchy, but it's not over the top. Yes. It's, not, it's funny. It's it's such a nice balance of everything, yeah. which I appreciate. Uh, Welcome well, to Wrexham. Okay, cool, yes. Is, season is two. going for it at season two, which cool. is lovely. Nice. Um, uh, once again, reminded of the fact that it's the real life Ted Lasso <laughs> to some degree. Yes. But what's so cool is that you literally can't determine what happens. You mm. can't write it. Yeah. Because it's real. It's real. It's, yeah. it's whether, you know, you can throw so much at this little Welsh soccer team. Yes. And, but I think for those who have tuned in or listened, you know what's going to happen because certain things, you know, that season has already yes. happened. Yeah. And now the show is coming out. Yeah. But, but yeah, you're just reminded of like real life. Yeah. Real life's got its um, twists and turns. Mm. Also, the writer's strike is over. Yes. Which is amazing. Yeah, and so for those who watch a lot of YouTube, all mm. the late night shows have come back. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> because they've now come back to work. But yeah. that's cool, and it seems like... They got a hell of a good deal. Yeah. Like That's the general consensus. Is they didn't get like everything, everything that they wanted, but in general, it's kind of like, this is sort of historic, you know. And one of the things you were talking about, um, watching shows to completion and that sort of thing, that's important is something the streaming services now have to do is share the metrics on the yes. shows and watches. They, they don't, they're not going to share them publicly, but they have to share them with uh, with like agents and that sort of thing. Yeah. The fact that it, that it wasn't being shared, mm. you know, was, you could see was bubbling up yeah. and was a problem every now and again, someone involved in a show, you know, sold it to Netflix or you hear like comedians talk about it Yeah, where they weren't being reported on. Mm. People weren't telling them how their show is doing yeah. and how many people are watching. And, and the whole you reason... You could see that being a problem. It was building up to be an issue. Yeah, the whole... Re well, it was an issue. This is like the whole reason they were doing that was so they could kind of be like, oh, no, the show didn't. The show wasn't profitable, so we don't have to pay you residuals. Like the guy who made um, Squid Game, yeah, which was a huge show. Like there were a few months when that show was absolutely massive. Yeah. Made nothing. He made nothing off of that show. Yeah. No, from Netflix. That, so. Yeah, that's 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 dodgy, man. Yeah. So it's nice that the world is evolving in such a way. And yeah. it just takes this. It's unfortunate that, you know, um these things had to happen. But yeah. this is once again why these things work. Yeah. Why throughout time strikes make sense. Yeah. Especially if you have um a, you know, something valuable to give. Yeah. And there's now a bunch of rules around AI and that sort of thing as well. So yeah. I think everyone should look up like the what they got out of this. I think it's really interesting. Yeah. Um, some things coming out mm. that we can talk about. Um, 
I saw a trailer for Planet Earth Three. I didn't. I, I completely missed that somehow. It just looks awesome. Yeah, I mean, they always do. The first two are like unbelievable. Yeah, I think personally, I've been very confused because we just hear David Attenborough narrating right. um, these things all the time, but you forget that there's just so many other David Attenborough-esque mm. content out there yeah. that they get him to narrate. Yes. And so we, we're kind of always hearing him, but mm. we forget that when it comes to the actual planet Earth, yeah. there have only been two. Yeah, two seasons. There have only been two seasons, and this is now quite significant that yeah. there's now a third well, I mean, season. it takes them years to make them. Like there are people who spend sure. like some of these guys spend literally like six months like out in the wild. Just looking for one fucking yeah. bird. Like there's this <laughs> there's like I can't remember there's a Netflix show that I think was made by the same people. Yeah, um, there's like so many things around it. That's what I'm saying. There's that, so many different versions. Yeah, and they're like behind the scenes thing, there's this dude who spent like three months or something in this little like little wooden hut thing. Yeah. Just waiting for a snow leopard to walk past. Yeah. That's it. He spent months out there. You can imagine just how like shaky and giddy he was when it yes. actually happened. Yeah. He's like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. <laughs> like losing his mind. Like, yeah. like Jake Gyllenhaal and Jarhead. <laughs> just like, <laughs> like by the end of it, he, he comes back like having skinned the snow leopard. Yes. And they're like, dude, what the fuck? <laughs> and he's like, I'm just obsessed over snow leopards. When I saw it, I just had to kill it. <laughs> Um, uh, there's something called Leave the World Behind. Mm, that looks which interesting. Is, which is a Netflix film. It's got Julia Roberts. Yes. It's got Ethan Hawke. It's got like Kevin Arashala Bacon. Ali. Yeah, it looks, it's vague. Yeah. We've got this one trailer, which just looks vague, mm-hmm. but it looks like epic. It's something about the end. There's like the end of the world. Yeah, in some very vague. In some vague way, yeah. but it looks very intriguing. Yes. Um, and then something I thought, which is kind of cool, is Guillermo del Toro is going to make Frankenstein. Oh, yes. He's been talking about that for ages. Apparently, like, his house mm. is, like, this museum of, like, cool, crazy horror. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. That which makes sense. Obsessed. Yes. And so, and so he said, he put something on. Of course, this is just a bit of PR, but mm-hmm. he said something like, this is, this film has been 30 years in the making yeah. or 20 I mean, years so many, I'm, I'm like like pumping the brakes a little bit because there's so many movies that Guillermo del Toro has been like, I'm making this movie and then it never comes out. Oh. He's done that multiple times. Like things like that he's like attached to yeah. in some way that just never end up getting made. Nightmare Alley was the last film he put out. I, I, I haven't seen it yet. No, it's on, it's on Disney. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't really like it. Okay. It was quite a difficult film, mm-hmm. but I mean, Pan's Labyrinth to me will always just be one of those special films where mm-hmm. It was one of the few times I sat in the cinema and as the film started, I was like, I don't even know what this movie's about. Right. I don't know how I ended up here. Yes. Maybe it was like we all went to go watch movies and it was like, let's pick one. Yes. Oh, how about that? And I was like, I know absolutely nothing. And then mm. I remember by the end of the movie going, holy shit, right. this is amazing. Cool. Then I wanted to uh, re-watch it years later Yes. and remember it vividly. Mm. But in my head, it was English. And only uh, when I sat down to watch it again, I was like, oh my God, how did I forget that it was in a foreign language? Yes. Which also just shows that the movie had was so powerful that it kind of transcended language. Yeah, that's interesting. No, it is, that's quite special. Is it a live action Frankenstein? I know very little. Okay. Because yeah. I know after doing Pinocchio, he said he was at some point at least not going to do any more live action films. He was only going to do animation. Interesting. Yeah. I love how when everyone thinks about Frankenstein, they always think the actual monster is Frankenstein. Yes. 
It's Frankenstein's <laughs> like, monster. Yeah, it's one of those like big things that sort of everyone kind of yeah. forgets. Have you read it? No. It's a very good book. Mary Shelley's yeah. Frankenstein. Yeah. She was quite significant in the mm. fact that at that time when that book came out, yeah. you didn't have, firstly, that many uh, women yeah. female writers. Yeah. And also, none of them were writing horror. Yeah. It kind of, it's sort of like invented a genre in a way. That's amazing. Yeah. When did you read it? Oh, a few years ago. I'm, I'm working my way through the books I should read, like the classics. Okay, cool. I'm getting there. I'm, I'm, I'm nearly done through With Dune. Dune. Nice. Yeah, yeah. We've spoken about it a few times on the show. How cool. I'm, how I'm working my way through Dune. I'm in book three now. Okay, sick. Yeah, yeah. So I'm in the like uncharted territory, <laughs> uh, which is going to be in part two, uh, the movie which will come out next year. Yeah. Magic Duty. Awesome. Also yeah. Catch-22. Uh, I've got that on the shelf. Read Catch-22. That's probably my favorite book ever. It's incredible. Really? Yeah. Your favorite book ever? Mm. Yeah. That's coined the term. Yes. Yeah, I invented okay. the, the phrase Catch-22. Yeah. Okay. Magic, my guy. Awesome, dude. All right. We can sit and talk forever. Yeah. But we'll, we'll, <laughs> save, we'll save that for uh, next week's episode. Nice. Uh, thank you, everyone, for, for listening and um, staying this far. Yeah. We, we enjoy having you join us here at the... At the store, you were browsing and then you heard us talking and now you came over and you joined the chat. That's how I always imagine these chats playing out. Yeah, um, yeah we are the video store. Over on the video store.co.za is links to all our social media and other platforms uh, if you're not subscribed already. And uh, we will see you again next week. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. <laughs>